song. Oh no, that means it must be... It must be our New Year's music special. Woot! And we don't have any live show to play for you that we were in, so there's that too. Yep. Everything's on vacation right now. Mm. (laughs) Including the government. Including the government. Yeah. Yeah. And now, shall we talk about the song that introed yes. the show? Yes. Okay, that was Divided We Fall by Kelly McCarthy off the uh, EP Extempore. Uh, the genre is electro synth pop. Kelly McCarthy's from San Diego, and her influences are Garbage Metric, Churches, and The Cure. Mm. And you were enjoying that song. I did enjoy it very much. Yeah, we played another Kelly McCarthy song earlier in the year because uh, she contacted the Department of Evil, of which or to which I belong. It's a group of music labels, DJs, promoters, music bloggers, that sort of thing, all within the dark alternative scene. And since I'm a podcast, I got one of her songs and played it on one of our shows. Yes. So this is another one. I like her voice. She sounds like the lady from Isentilla. Mm. Same kind of vocal range, kind of a, a lower tone. Mm. Yeah, I like that very much. And a kind of a song that is very contemporary. <laughs> yes. And that people are divided by fear and, and misunderstanding and being misled and that we're better if we work together. Yeah. Yeah, rather than be divided. Well, this uh, music special is new music that I came into contact with during the year. So it's all stuff from my recent library that I've collected. There's a lot of female artists on here, which is cool. Yes. Yeah, but that particular song just was a nice way to open because it is kind of a reflection of of the current zeitgeist, I guess. Yeah, the just climate in the this climate. country. Yeah, political and emotional climate. Fear makes people do th- weird things. Weird, stupid, weird, awful things. stupid things, indeed. Which uh, will come into play in one of our other discussions. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it will, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Fear is only... If you don't understand something, that's not a reason to fear it. Nope. It just means it's an opportunity to learn. Indeed. Not a reason to destroy. Yes. Because people like to destroy what they fear well, and then what? Mm. When everything you fear is gone, and then what? You have nothing left. Yeah, because I guess you're afraid of everything when it comes down to it. Yep. That's no way to live. Well, so when, in times of peace, the warlike man attacks himself. Mm-hmm. Friedrich Nietzsche. Yeah. The, you Sometimes you don't find an enemy until you're looking for him. Yep. So, so that's, yeah. that's actually... <laughs> I was watching Kong Skull Island last night. Okay. And one of the soldiers actually says that ah. after, you know, the colonel is going off the deep end and he's decided he is going to destroy Kong. And <laughs> I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, and so is pretty much everyone else, but they can't say that right. because, you know, he's in command. But one of the one of the seasoned soldiers actually says that. And I'm like, oh, I With salt and pepper that. hair? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. He does have kind of salt and pepper hair. Because he's seasoned. He, he also doesn't understand the his mother told her him the wrong version of the uh, the lion with the thorn in its paw. Oh. <laughs> told the wrong version of that story. Oops. So. <laughs> yeah. And his one of the other soldiers calls him out. He's like, well, who told you that story? My mom. Well, yep. she got it wrong. It's not how it is. Yeah, it is. Who told you that? <laughs> My mom. Your mom's dumb. Anyway. 
Anyway, uh, shall we talk about Christmas a little bit? Let's talk about Christmas a little bit. What did you get for Christmas? How was your Christmas things? Uh, It was mostly good with a um, little undercurrent of worry. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The ever-present undercurrent of worry of things I can do nothing about. We had our Christmas with my family on Saturday, the 22nd. Mm Mm-hmm. We had a wonderful lunch. Oh, yeah, they had ribs. Um, nom, nom, yeah, nom, nom. Uh, my brother-in-law, Phil, makes the best ribs. They are so good. And Becky made a pork roast, my older sister. Uh, she's really good at cooking. So is Brooke. I am not. I never have been, and I never will be. People say, oh, you just need practice. No, I've had practice. <laughs> right. I've had a good 30-plus years of practice and it's never gotten better. If you think that it just anyone can cook, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do basic things like boil water and make toast, but not everyone can cook. It's just it's it requires a level of talent and I don't possess any of it. So, uh yeah, it was a lovely lovely lunch. Brooke of course made her sweet potato casserole as well, which is a big hit with my mom as my mom is from the south. Mhm. Uh, I love sweet potato casserole as well. It's delicious. Um, nom. Um, let's see. My sister Becky gave me a FabFitFun box, Ooh. which I did not know this company existed. Now that I do, it's a problem <laughs> <laughs> because this box was full of fabulous things. So apparently, you get to customize it to a degree. Brooks was uh, had some different things in it than mine, but my it was like. It had a wrap in it, like a, it was almost like a poncho style shawl wow. sort of thing, which is so warm and so soft. And I love it because it's long enough on my arms so that my arms don't get cold. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I hate shawls because they don't work like they're supposed to. It's like, what? Don't make a triangular shawl. Don't. Just don't do it because it's not going to cover up the arms right. What shape should a shawl be? Rectangular. Oh. I think. Should be like more of a wrap. Yeah, because a triangle, you're going to have really thin bits on the edges. Yeah. It's like it's going to keep your back warm, sure. But yeah. what about your arms? Yeah. Uh, it has a lovely pair of over-the-knee socks, which only came up to mid-knee on me because I have ridiculously long legs. Yep. And Becky even said to me, oh, no, they'll come over your knee. I'm like, no, nope. no, they won't. And they didn't. <laughs> Sorry, Beck, but no. I have never ever found a pair of over-the-knee socks that actually went over my knees. It had a bunch of girly things in it. There was some makeup in it. Yay me. I love makeup. I'm a Mm -hmm. whore. On makeup, there was uh, some bath gel. There were some bath salts, which I gave to you. Yeah, there's a muscle relaxant uh, Himalayan pink salt. They smell fantastic. Yeah, and they're actually quite relaxing when I've used it. I've really kind of zoned out in the tub just kind of like ah yeah yeah, it smells really good and i'm usually pretty relaxed afterwards so that that though they they smell great little things like face masks and a variety of other things that i've already forgotten (laughs) oh there's a cool weird like eye makeup stamp thing oh yeah the eyeshadow stamp i haven't used it yet yeah it's literally you paint the eyeshadow on the stamp and then you put it on your eye you uh-huh. put the stamp on your eye. Yep. And it just, I haven't tried it, but I'm gonna. Yeah, it's nuts. So it has this big old crystal knob where you hold it. Yeah, and three different sizes of stamps. Yeah. So that's nice. The stamps screw on, so you're not gonna have them come apart really easily. Yeah. And uh, some shower gel, which also smells really good. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying that. Um, a face mask. Uh, no, like three different face masks. 
I love face masks because they are good at getting rid of gunk that likes to burrow into my pores. Because yeah. I live in a climate, uh, a weather area that it just yeah, it rains gunky. mud. It rains mud here, guys. We yeah. don't have good air quality. Nope. Uh, Etc. Ad nauseum. Got a lot of gift cards. No complaints there. No. Um, um, you had a clever idea of assigning gift cards to our Amazon, so the money would just go over there. Brooke gave us both Visa gift cards. And I am actually not the biggest fan of Visa gift cards or major credit card gift cards. Yeah. Because registers still don't know how to handle them properly. Nope. That, and you're always left with extra money on it that you don't know how to use. Exactly. But yeah, if you can apply the whole amount to refilling another gift card, that seems to be the way to go. Well, once you activate it, it can be used just like a regular credit card until you don't have enough money on the card to mm -hmm. cover the cost of what it is you're buying yep. and then it won't just take the amount that's still there like if it were a normal gift card mm -hmm. no it'll just decline it and on mm -hmm. and on and on plus they have a fee for activation yeah just give us amazon gift cards okay brooke <laughs> <laughs> just it's fine it's fine yeah, well we got around it you were yeah. clever enough to figure that out i wouldn't say it was clever it was an idea that i wasn't sure would work it did though so, so that tested it that's my idea of clever. Uh, but Brooke also gave me soap. Soap. There's a place in Las Vegas that she and Phil go to every time they're in Vegas. And they make soaps and bath bombs and all this sort of thing. And she gave me this box of four soaps that look like macarons. Yeah, they, they definitely look like like pastries or cookies or something. Yeah, they're, they are macarons. Yeah. They are. It says so on the box, which I didn't notice until later. Mm-hmm. But they definitely are macarons, because I've had macarons before. Matt has brought us macarons to share with everybody. That word's starting to sound weird. Macaron. Mm-hmm. Macaron. Isn't he the president of France or something? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so those are really strong, but man, once you've just let them out of the box for a minute, they calm down a bit, and they <laughs> leave the skin so soft. Yeah. Lots of fun things. Bought Spider-Man game with a gift card from a boss. Yep, so you've been enjoying that. I have, but it is murder on my right hand. Yeah. Between web-slinging and attacking, it is just... My right hand, I could. There was one day where I I played it all day and I shouldn't have, uh -huh. and I regretted it. Yeah, it, my hand hurt all night. Howie. So fun things. What about you, Dave? Uh, you got me the history of Dungeons and Dragons in art. So that's very cool. It called, it's called Art and Arcana. It's a very neat book. I also got a bunch of gift cards. I got a cool shirt from your sister. That's got true neutral and says decisions are hard so it's something i can wear while i'm dungeon mastering or anyway or just anyway just to be nerdy mm -hmm. might be a nice one to wear at the convention yep i got with my amazon money i bought a mixer to use at the loft because people keep messing around with the one that's there and when we say mixer, we're talking about a sound mixer. Yeah, a sound mixer, not not a drink mixer. This is or a sound a mixer. Blender. Yeah. <laughs> it's an electronic sound mixer that I can use at the loft and have set to my settings. 
so nobody messes with it. Mm-hmm. And the one that's there, things are starting to fail on it, like certain sliders aren't working. And it has weird little buttons that will shut off channels. Mm-hmm. And whenever those get pushed, I have to reverse engineer to figure out how to get sound back again. Yeah, it's we're done with that. Yep, so this, it's not going to have that kind of issue. It even has effects if we want echo or something like that, or maybe even a sustain. So if we want to go with the throwdown and have an echoing kind of introduction. <laughs> that would actually be fun. Yeah, like, are you ready to rumble kind of thing? We can actually apply that effect. And I just recently ordered a case for it. The black one was like $12 more than the green one. The The mixer is about 13 inches. I bought a case that's 14 inches, so hopefully it'll fit okay. We'll see. If it yeah. doesn't, we'll If it doesn't, it. we can return it and get a 16-inch one. It's just the, the larger the case, the more expensive they are. But it'd be nice to have a really solid, durable, like waterproof kind of case to carry it in. Yeah, well, it'll uh, not come to any harm because we will be taking it with us when we leave. Yep, we bring it with us and take it with us. Yeah. Anytime I'm doing tech at the loft. And then you don't have to stress out about somebody messing with your settings. Yeah, because sometimes it's like 11th hour that I get the sound back. Yep, it's really dumb. It's it's happened where I haven't even had much DJ time because I've been busy just trying to get the microphone to work. So, and uh, Antonio's familiar with it so if he needs to record through his equipment he could do that as well so he's already figured that out and the sliders work on that too so it's not like if i'm running music to pick an interstitial song it'll show up through it because it'll be muted through the mixer so it's very cool that's pretty much what i got for the most part so yeah yeah that's our christmas uh shall we get into the next song yes do please okay okay this next track I almost only did nine songs for this special, but I couldn't bring myself to eliminate any one of them. Mm. So because this one I could have played on its own because it's like eight minutes long. Ooh, (laughs) buckle in. Buckle in. That's because it's a cover and you know me in covers. Whenever we do a music special, I like to usually play the second song of the playlist as a cover. And this is dream pop band Bella Luna, who are from Phoenix, Arizona. Their members are Fuchsia on vocals, Hurley on drum and bass, Bika on violin, and Lance on synth. Their influences are Cocteau Twins, Cranes, and Tori Amos. That explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a cover of Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, a dream pop cover of Led Zeppelin. It's it's crazy, and it works as very shoegazy. There's a lot of reverb and, and effects on the guitars, and... Uh, Fuchsia's vocals, she emulates Robert Plant while still in that dream pop kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's really nifty. She even does kind of the the hypersexual oohs and ahs and, you know, kind of almost like grunts and the very Robert Plant kind of sexual vibe. She gives off in this kind of dreamy, ethereal style. But you'll hear for yourself with the Luna with Cashew.
That was Falling Star featuring Oceanside 85 by Battlejuice off the There's a Lot of Industrial on this compilation. <laughs> compilation. So their genre, they call themselves Retro Wave, whatever that is. <laughs> okay. They kind of have a it's, it's odd mix of things in that particular one. I'd probably classify them possibly as Dark Wave, but they're almost industrial too. It's kind of hard to really place them. Mm. Their influences, this is kind of probably no surprise, but The Birthday Massacre. Also, Mindless Self-Indulgence and Prince. Ew. Yeah, so um, what are your thoughts on Battlejuice and this song, Falling Star? I liked it very much. Yeah, I like the guitar. Um, it's almost Katy Perry-ish in the vocals. She likes to belt it out <laughs> a uh, little bit. No, no, not quite. I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, okay. Um, she's more ethereal than that. Yeah, I suppose it is a bit more ethereal than... Which, than, which is not to say yeah. she's fully ethereal. I would put her more on the level of Birthday Massacre. Yeah, there's a, there is definitely a, a pop accessibility to this particular song. It's, I think it's more accessible than, than other dark alternative uh, songs, musicians, especially ones on this this playlist that yes. we'll get to later. Indeed. Or even the previous song, the uh, the Cashmere cover. I could see that being hit and miss with people. Yeah. Though I enjoy it. Uh, shall we get into some movie reviews? Yeah, let's do it. First movie that we're going to review out of the four mm-hmm. <laughs> is Into the Spider-Verse. Yep. It was fucking awesome. It was awesome. The more I hear about the making of, the more I can see how triumphant it is because it was really like a yes and kind of improv attitude in the writer's room is like like whatever idea we're just gonna run with it. it's like whatever you know we want to create a movie unlike anything they've ever seen you know mm-hmm. uh the kingpin that was inspired by the the bill sankovic's inspiration or model of the character where he's just this little tiny head on this huge body yeah and it's, it's not even a head on top of the body. It looks no, like he's right, almost hunchbacked. Yep, right in the middle of his frame. It's like, oh, yeah, his torso. So, yeah, he has these hulking shoulders with his head poking out of it. And just seeing that, it's like, holy crap. Because I saw, because I follow Bill Sinkovics on social media, and he was thanking a lot of people and very much behind the whole uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie. And I could see why he even had a limited print mm-hmm. that he was selling you know limited edition print inspired by his design that has a huge kingpin in the background of the all the different spider men and women yeah it uh it was good that i have been reading the uh spider geddon ah, miniseries right because there were a lot of easter eggs in this film for all the different spider people that's what i heard there's if you're if you're a casual Spider-Man fan, then you're certainly going to enjoy it. But if you're deep into the comics, there's stuff there for you as well. Oh, but so it, much. it doesn't rub it in or anything. It's, no. It's a movie that can hit you at different levels. It's there. You don't have to know anything about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You seriously do not have to know thing one about Spider-Man to enjoy this film. Yep. Yeah. And even with dealing with the multiple universes, uh, now playing covered it and they're saying that kids understand the multiple universe theory mm-hmm. so you not, don't really have to explain it to them that much kids get it because it's just you know today that's a model of our universe that there's this possibility that there's these other quantum realities well they've grown up with quantum mechanics mm-hmm. and quantum physics we have not yeah 
So sometimes we older people <laughs> yep, have to be explained, okay, how does this work? But the kids are like, oh, yeah, they're from another universe and they totally get it. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. The Kirby-esque thing when the actual uh, device is used yep. to uh, form the, the portal to other universes. The particle accelerator. Yeah, that's super cool and gets pretty trippy when it glitches. Oh, there's just so much joy in this film. Uh, everybody seems to love Spider-Ham. And rightly so. Yeah, I haven't really heard anything bad about it. Everybody thinks they know what Spider-Ham is going to be like, and they don't. Yeah. They don't. Everybody says, oh, it's exactly the Spider-Ham I remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love Spider-Ham. <laughs> yeah, everybody's very uh, welcoming. Uh, Spider-Ham showed up in Spider-Gwen comic series, and it just made me so happy. Yeah. She thought she was hallucinating the whole time. She wasn't. But, but yeah, I love Spider-Ham. Really enjoyed the noir Spider-Man. Reminded me of the early Batman comics. Isn't <laughs> he so great? So, yeah. I unlocked that suit in the Spider-Man video game. That's super cool. And Miles Morales, the way they captured that character and have it to be an origin, origin story and not an origin story at the same time. Yes. And that he's even better treated from the comics from what i heard because he's like multilingual because of his mother mm -hmm. and so he drops in you know some spanglish here and there and you're like yeah awesome i mean that's a really great way to to introduce that character and his parents are cool the cop and the nurse and you it's, just kind of understand him the yeah. voice acting is over i mean it's just amazing it's yeah. perfect uh, absolutely perfect in every way nick cage doing the noir spider-man had no idea no idea till we saw the credits yeah, and he's Superman in the Teen Titans Go uh, movie. Yeah, well. so And people love him in that, too. Okay, if you say so. No. I, I guess if he can do noir Spider-Man, he can do Superman. It's fine. Yep. Well, it's kind of funny because Tim Burton wanted him to be Superman in the Tim Burton Superman that never came to be. Yeah, physically, no. Yeah. Voice, fine. Mm -hmm. Physically, no. Yep. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I love the animation. Uh, they even had the animation not be all that fluid. They wanted... They wanted it to be comic booky, so it had mm -hmm. this kind of panel feel, which is why it seems a little choppy. But I, it was never a problem with me. I mean, you have to adjust to it a little bit, but once you are, you're you're right on. And there's different animation styles that are melding too. You know, Spider Ham is a particular type of animation style, and so is Noir Spider Man, and, and so, so is, is Spider Gwen. Yep, yep. That so that flavor of being from another universe. You know, they bring that with them in their animation style. I uh, did have an emotional moment or five when he goes to buy a Spider-Man costume after the Spider-Man from his world is killed by uh -huh. Kingpin. Yeah, and Stanley is the guy running the store. I was like, oh, my heart! Yeah, it was a very <laughs> touching heart. moment. heart! I also liked uh, Miles being a street artist. And <laughs> yeah. Doing, like, kind of Banksy space invader style stickers that he was posting everywhere yep his dad keep catching him yep i really enjoyed that movie so much i would not only say it's the best spider-man film no mm. disrespect to tom holland's spider-man film nope none at all it's the best spider-man film it's the best animated superhero film so far yeah period and it's right up there just with superhero movies altogether absolutely so yeah i think that was a nice brief review what do you think <sighs> yep yep so up next we have junk sister who is a electro industrial band from germany featuring boog and diana their influences are daft punk lady gaga nine inch nails 
got a song from them. This is going to be a kind of a double feature. They're kind of sexy tunes. Sexy tunes. So a little, uh, little back-to-back sexy tunes, because Junk Sister is known for that kind of sexy, sexy tunes. vibe. This song is called Away With The Fairies. Um, what are your impressions on this particular track? I enjoy it very much because I like the way she does her spoken word stuff, and I also like the way she sings. Yeah. So it's a mixture of the two. And I thought, as I was listening to it, I thought, this is something that could totally become a big radio hit. And why isn't it? Yeah. It might be in uh, in Europe. It, it might <laughs> be. As opposed to here. Yeah. And their videos are pretty cool, too. They kind of combine uh, sexiness with the macabre. Which I love. Vibe. I love that. Yep. So they'll be having like a nice romantic picnic somewhere. And then one of them will start bleeding. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> so, and then turn out like they're eating human flesh or something. So yeah, this is Junk Sister with Away with the Fairies. I'm feeling a little deranged. I'm gonna try to make a change. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Gonna happen today. Figured out I wasn't living until I was loving. Oh yeah, oh yeah, loving you, baby. It is my mind that I'm losing. Still gonna keep on cruising. Pump up the volume, yeah, go a little crazy. There's something about you that moves me. I'm feeling hot and groovy. It's happiness and it suits me. Maybe I'm giving it up. Never wanted to stop. You make me go.
Topsy with Good Giving Game, the Go Fight remix. Uh, Go Fight are former members of Divorzau, a very LGBTQ plus friendly band, and they added in those drums. 
Nice. And some of the sustained, and you know, <laughs> that was added in the remix as well. The, the original song's really cool, but I particularly like that re- remix. I think they did some really fun things with it. It's really good. Kind of reminds you of uh, like Hollaback Girl and Mickey and all those kind of cheerleader type <laughs> kind of, songs. But darker. Yeah, but with that dark edge. I even like that line, you wear your darkness well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beauty Queen Autopsy is a dark noise pop band whose members are Erica Mulkey of Unwoman, a steampunk artist. She's known for doing like cello and that kind of thing. Nice. And then Matt Finale of uh, Caustic. And that comes off the Industrial Records versus Tiger Squawk Records compilation, which has a lot of gothsicle stuff on there. So if you really like silly gothy music... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is basically what Gothicals uh, excels at. So we're back into movie reviews. Yep. I guess we're now to Aquaman. 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 So what do you think of Aquaman? I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, especially for a DC movie. Um, it's colorful. I think they've learned their lessons <laughs> well with the color palette. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the kind of globe-trotting atmosphere of a James Bond film. I enjoyed that. It was it was a little Indiana Jones at times. Yeah, it was. I did not it's complain. Like, suddenly there's an Indiana Jones plot thrust in the middle of it and you're like oh okay that's so, fine a bit of thor but you'd expect that because it's a very similar story because you're dealing with two kingdoms uh, uh, but also like worlds divided you know the undersea world and the surface world and trying to make peace between them yeah well it's more than two kingdoms yeah but you know what i mean it's like asgard versus midgard you know kind of thing yeah, because that was the whole reason that Orm had to get four kingdoms, because it was a majority. Yep. Because there's seven kingdoms of Atlantis. Yeah, like the, was it the trench with the Oh, the, the creatures? trench. Oh, my lord. Mm. Now, <laughs> here's here's the thing, okay? There were some visual effects that were kind of wonky. They yeah. still have not figured out how to do faces, how to de-age oh, faces. Oh, de-aging, and some of the underwater stuff was like, I'm not buying it. Yeah, but for the most part, it was yeah. good. Like the city construction yeah. under the water, yeah. impressive. The whole thing when they're going down into the trench. Because, oh yeah, you know they're going to go in the trench. Mm-hmm. That was magnificent. Oh yeah, when you see the torch and they're all, because they're afraid of light, they're going around them. Just, oh, it's... Oh. And you expect that torch to go out at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Black Manta. Black Manta. Perfect. The design of Black Manta is cool. It's weird having two villains. Yeah, but it really wasn't two villains. And the reason that Black Manta was there made sense. He comes in contact with Aquaman. Aquaman. Because he's a pirate and he's fucking with a ship. Yeah. And just randomly killing people. No good reason. No. Just killing them. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, and Aquaman. (laughs) Spider-Man and Aquaman. Arthur ain't having it. Mm -mm. He makes a choice that makes black manta into black manta basically but the thing is is he wouldn't have done anything about it in the immediate future except he's working for orm now yeah and orm is like okay i can't strike at him directly but you can here have some weapons have this suit have fun kill him please thanks bye 
Well, Black Manta is already a villain to begin with, so it's not like he created a, a, a villain out of another villain. No. So it's like he didn't have that far down the slide to go to become evil. He was already there. No, he was already evil, but yep. now he is specifically... Now he's looking for vengeance. Gunning yeah. for Arthur. Right. I love that his dad raised him to speak different languages mm-hmm. and know Greek mythology, mythology and all of those things. He was... Not just some big dumb brute. Yep. The practical effects, like the stunts and stuff, my God, there were some scenes on that submarine oh, in yeah. the uh, opening big sequence where we meet Black Manta. And some of the stuff Manta. in Sicily, too, is like, just, holy crap. Uh, It just, there were some things that made me hurt. Mm-hmm. That they were so realistic and so brutal. <laughs> yeah, the vision of the underwater cities and underwater battles are amazing. Mm-hmm. People riding sharks with lasers on their heads. Yep, and other things. Yeah. Lots of undersea creatures that I wa- I'm not sure what they were. Some alligators or crocodiles. Not I couldn't really tell. They were. It was dark. Yeah. It was dark. It's dark underwater, guys. Yeah. You go down far enough and you can only, you know, get by with light that you create or bioluminescence because there ain't no sun shining down there we both had a weird thing with the soundtrack though the score yeah, there are a lot of people who really like that but there were some moments where i'm like why am i fucking hearing tron legacy music <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like okay pick a side it's i think because you're doing with underwater and surface things that the soundtrack is also kind of bipolar in that way yeah but the thing is it wasn't consistent as no, to what it, it was backing no now if they had had electronic you know soundtrack during very specific underwater scenes where they're dealing with underwater technology yeah yep. okay but they didn't do that they should have just got tangerine dream Get Tangerine Dream to do the whole thing. Um, yeah, that, that cover of Africa is ooh. horrible. And we're not the only one to say it. It's like, that was a bad choice. Why in God's name would you let Pitbull do that? Why? Yeah, it's just horrible. Why? And the reason that those stand out to me is because they were so noticeable, they took me out of what was mm-hmm. going on on screen. Yeah. You liked Mira? Loved Mira. But then I loved her from Justice League, even though she was kind of a bitch. But I understand now in context why that was. I had been reading Aquaman comics. Uh So when they went into the trench, that actually really made me happy because I have seen the things in the trench in the comics. And they really did them justice, in my opinion. And uh, and Nicole Kidman didn't even annoy me that much. I liked her a lot in this. Yeah, she actually did really well, I think. Yeah, I liked the love story. And it was kind of like, ah... I was enjoying this love story between a sea lady and this lighthouse keeper, and they thrust a superhero movie in the middle of it. <laughs> I was just happy with the romance. <laughs> well, you know, they show Arthur's beginning, yeah. basically, and then you get other little vignettes of him as he's growing up and being mm-hmm. treached by... Treached? Treached. Treached by Volko. Willem Dafoe being a good guy, that's unusual. With the samurai hairstyle. Yeah. He um, had a top knot. He, he's Orm's vizier now. Yep. And yeah, it's it's odd to see him as a good guy. You keep going, okay, is he going to be a bad guy? Nope. No, I really thought that he wasn't going to be. Yeah. 
I really thought he wasn't. That that was refreshing. Yeah. It probably wasn't since, what, Mississippi burning that he got to play somebody who's a good guy. (laughs) Oh, he's been a good guy in other things, but uh, it's just, she's, I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. And Patrick Wilson, oh my heart. I love Patrick Wilson. Mm -hmm. With all my heart. He was a great King Orm. Playing the little brother. Yeah. And you're like, what? (laughs) He's older than Momoa, but whatever. But he doesn't look (laughs) it. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Stay out of the sun, look young forever. Yeah, he's so fair. So. Yeah, it was fun. It's what it needed to be. It was entertaining, and it delivered its visuals, and James Wan did a good time directing. Yeah, you got to see his kind of Fast and Furious kind of approach to it, so... The yeah. stunt work was really fun, and he went back to his horror with the trench, and yeah, you got to see his directorial style. Uh, the fight scenes I could have done with them not being the circular camera thing. I prefer to see a fight scene just like flat on that you get with you know the Netflix Marvel series. Well, Whenever they do a fight scene, it's like, ooh, that's impressive. Here's the thing. You can do that on a small screen. Yeah. You can do that in a television show. It doesn't always work for film. Yeah. And it especially doesn't always work for a film of this magnitude. Right. So that actually didn't bother me because this had a very epic feel to it. Yeah. And so it wasn't something that I found distracting. Right. And I didn't, and I know that there was speed ramping in it, but I didn't, it wasn't to the point where I found it distracting and I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Because that happens to me a few times in Wonder Woman where I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, mm-hmm. please stop it. Yeah. It, it slows the pace of a fight scene when you do speed ramping. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know that image is impressive, but you're slowing it down and that hurts the rhythm. It's like Jackie Chan would say, there's, there's a musical rhythm to a fight scene. Mm-hmm. And if you interrupt that by suddenly slowing it down... You know, it's like a really bad remix. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Momoa was great, of course. Yeah, and he's he's charming. He's got screen presence. He's attractive, and he did well. So yeah, he can do angry. He can do he can do intelligent guys. You think he can't, but he can. And I know that he can because I saw him on Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. No, he's he wasn't a brainiac on Stargate Atlantis, but he wasn't an idiot no, either. No. He wasn't some. He was big a very fellow. similar character to this. Yeah. Ronan was not, I don't think, as angry. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not angry all the time. Right. You know, and I loved seeing him interact with his dad. Mm-hmm. And I really loved the scene when the big burly biker guys come up to him in the bar and mm-hmm. ask him if he's that aqua boy. <laughs> he's like, Because they're a little aggressive asking. And yeah. If they think they already knew who he was, they'd be less aggressive. Well, that's the thing. They didn't know for sure. And yeah. so they're asking. And they're like, can we get a selfie? Yeah. <laughs> And then wackiness ensues. You kind of sold that, uh, hey, you, kind of thing. It's like, well, if you knew him already, you wouldn't probably say it that aggressively, but... Yeah, but they didn't know for sure. Yeah. Even so, they're probably used to just being, you know, big burly guys, because that's what people expect from looking at them. Yeah, I guess so. Because what if they were mistaken? Really enjoyed Mara. I enjoy her powers. Oh, yeah, her ability Um, to move water. Her manipulation of water. Yeah, especially after that tidal wave from the... That surface attack. Yeah. Or the attack on the surface, I should say. The underwater people, they have a point, mm-hmm. you know? They do. The pollution, after you see you know, them put the pollution back on the beaches, you're like, yep. Mm-hmm. Arthur had a reason to, to speak to fish and sea creatures that actually turned out to help him mm-hmm. in the end get that trident. That was nice. You know, that, that ability to speak is like, oh, you understand me. And it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, he's like, oh, I haven't had a conversation with someone in forever. 
was it Julie Andrews voicing that creature, I think? Was it? Yeah. Oh my god, I have to look she that up. She has to look it up now. Holding. Yeah, the, the Kraken that they really went far away from actually calling a Kraken. <laughs> yep. Well, you kind of have to sometimes. Yep. Just go into the mythology of the actual thing. And they had merfolk and crab people and all manner of different Atlanteans. And, oh my god, I enjoyed looking at Amber Heard. <laughs> I yep. really, really did. She's just perfectly formed not not necessarily all body i mean her face was mm. is just exquisite in her eyes mm -hmm. you're right carathan julie andrews yep my god yeah it was very like comic book page accurate outfits and design and stuff so john reese davies was the brian king yeah jimin hansu was king rico nice nice to know this Yep, Dolph Lundgren as one of the Sea Kings. Yeah, now that's two characters he's played in the DC Universe. One mm. in television, one in movie. Nice. It was, it was fun seeing him as a ginger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it works. Now I'm going to do a spoiler, but there are things I've already we've already kind of spoiled in the movie anyway. So if right. you haven't seen Aquaman, Aquaman, then I'm sorry. But my favorite is during the final great big battle. He comes out of the fucking seafloor on a goddamn kaiju. Yeah. Oh my god, that was just like, I I was so happy. It was just like, a giant monster, yes! And it was really well designed. Like, really well designed. And it's cool that the trident is their weapon of choice. And mm -hmm. Everybody has a different one. Yeah, reason behind it. and Meaning behind having a trident passed down through the family. Yep. Because he had his mother's and Orm had his father's. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it. It does have some flaws, but nothing that makes it an unenjoyable film, like, for me anyway. Well, when you think about it, it's like miles ahead of most of the other DC movies for me. Yeah, I avoid the rest other than Wonder Woman. Yeah. So. I, of course, was introduced to Amber Heard as Mera in Justice League. Right. And so I knew what her powers were. But to see them on the scale that I yeah. saw them in this film, I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So I did love her eating flowers or the roses. I'll tell you this much. Roses are not tasty. No. They are not. And I'll tell you how I know that. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh -huh. my sisters dared me to eat a rose petal. They said it would taste really good. Uh, and and no. No, it tastes like you're eating perfume. Yeah. It's not good. Don't eat rose petals, guys. Because, yeah, some people put rose petals in actual food, and it's like, why? No, please don't do that. Basically, you know how uh, roses smell? That's what they taste like. Yep. They taste like that, and it's not good. That's not a taste you should have in your mouth. Nope. But Mara seemed to like them, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think it's time to go gothic with our musical selection. Okay. So we're going to go with Cockatoo, who is a band from Toronto in Canada, Ooh. which is a bit odd because usually Canada is known for the more electronic side of the dark scene. Mm. But yeah, this one, very traditional 80s retro gothic sound, kind of post-punkish. Their influences include Hamsus 13 and The Wake, which is a Finnish gothic band. Ooh. This song is Kashikakawa from the compilation She Is The Dark. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts on this one? Uh, the bassist had the best time. Yeah, that bass is going all over the place, oh. all up and down that fretboard. It is so fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Yeah. It uh, reminds me of something from the 80s, and I cannot put my finger on what it is. I know what you mean. It's it's that post-punk sound that's kind of having a revival right now. And yeah, there's there's watery guitar and kind of a kind of cold 
vocals and that that bass that has a that's kind of in the forefront there and the drummer's having a good old time too oh yeah splashy cymbals and stuff splashy so yeah very gothy it will probably remind you of some 80s music as well mm-hmm. yeah it's almost um gene loves jezebel-y a little bit possibly except no it reminds me yeah. of something very specific mm. i just can't figure it out yeah so maybe you'll know so this is cockatoo with kashikakawa <laughs> Oh, 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 
that bit of atmospheric weirdness was Rings by Soundvich, and that's Witch with two capital V's. <laughs> yeah. Another song off the Industrial Records versus Tiger Squawk Records compilation. They regard themselves as doom folk. Is <laughs> one of their genres. <laughs> They're from Carmel in New York, and there's really only one member, and that's Carrie Toya. She is creepy as hell. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, the tribal drums, uh, that weird, I don't know if it's a guitar or electric violin or what she's getting that sound out of, but holy crap. At times it seems like she's torturing that thing, but that, that's what she's going for, I'm sure. Yeah, I couldn't understand a damn thing she was singing, no. but it was creepy. It was creepy. Very affected, eerie vocals, like a banshee. Here are a couple of phrases and a couple of words, but I can't really get the whole gist of what she's saying. I'm just getting a mood, and it's creepy as fuck. Yep. And so that's pretty much your opinion on it, too. Yeah, I, I liked it, but I don't know what it's about. Yep, nope. <laughs> it's something for your Halloween playlist, that's for sure. There you go. Stick that on, and people are like, ooh. Yeah. Uh, another movie? Yep. Mary Poppins Returns. Yes. We just decided while we were off to go to the movies, because I kind of was feeling like it. And our, we had some choices, uh, but... Mary Poppins had some luxury seating. I was like, yeah, that's the way to go. Oh, yeah. And we enjoyed the hell out of it. Really enjoyed it. Emily Blunt is amazing. Yes, she is. I already knew that, but yeah. now it's like cemented. Yeah, I've liked her in a lot of things I've seen her in. I mean, I can't think of something I've seen her in that I didn't like her in. Yeah, but. she's just one of those. She's I've got a girl crush. Yeah, um. she embodies the role really well. Indeed. Uh, it is Mary Poppins. She is playing Mary Poppins. Yeah, the magic is still there. Yeah. I really loved the fact that, yes, there were digital effects, but there was traditional hand-drawn animation as yeah. well. Because, yeah, it's very much a reflection of the original. Yes. I mean, there's certain beats that happen that are very much the original, like going into an animated world and instead of chimney suites, there are Learys, which are the lamp lighters mm -hmm. in London. Yeah. And so you get a dance sequence with them, which is really great because they're on bikes and they have ladders and they're on poles. And yep. It's just a whole number. It's done like a stage number. Oh, yeah. It's that, it's that part of the musical, which some people, I mean, if it's not done right, it seems like it lasts too long. I was sad when it was over. <laughs> yeah, the, the ballet number, I think they usually yeah, call the, it. The dream the, ballet. The dream ballet from Oklahoma is my prime yeah. example of something that should never have been in yeah. there, or if it was in there, should have been five minutes tops. Because isn't there one in West Side Story, too, a dream mm. ballet number somewhere in there? No. No? Okay. No, there's not a dream ballet in West Side Story. I might be confusing that with something else. It might be Singing in the Rain? Singing number? in the Rain. It's not ballet, but okay. yeah. It's not all ballet, right. I should say. Yeah. It's But they're doing a mini movie inside a movie yeah. in that particular thing. Because he's pitching the idea of what they want this movie to be and to wrap around this footage that they already have right. to make it a, a film. And it's it's actually not too long for me because I can watch Sid Charisse dance for hours. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it to me it doesn't feel too long. Yeah. But the Dream Ballet from Oklahoma, dear God, that is a slog. <laughs> we didn't really have a slog in, in Mary Poppins. It, not a bit. Seem. Not a bit, in uh, my opinion. Enjoyed the music hall when they oh, yeah. went into the world of the ceramic bowl that I they loved had broken. That. 
I loved that. I loved the crack. Yep. Where they broke the bowl. There's this giant crack in the road. Mm-hmm. And it was all this hand-drawn or mostly hand-drawn animation or at least seemingly hand-drawn animation. It was very old school. Yeah. It w- And they those penguins from the first Mary Poppins movie, mm-hmm. oh, they're back. Yeah, they're back. They're so adorable. Yeah. And uh, that's when Emily, I think, really gets to strut her stuff the finest. Oh, yeah, because she goes into the whole Cockney thing because it was like a Cockney music hall Mm -hmm. with the songs with a lot of double entendre. So it was a little something for the adults that kids would not quite get the joke. And it was just delightful. So many people in it that I love. Lin-Manuel Miranda as Jack. Mm -hmm. He's one of the Learys or the lead Leary. So yeah. he's kind of doing the Dick Van Dyke role, you know. Yeah, sort of, but not. Yeah. I mean, obviously he knows who Mary Poppins is because he actually used to come and wave at um, Jane. Yeah, at he's the one window. of the chimney sweeps all grown up. Yeah, he's adorable. Yeah. Uh, but Lin Manuel is always adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and he has a convincing Cockney accent, at least by my ears. It was all right. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. No. But it wasn't great. No, it wasn't great. I don't think it was meant to be great. Nope. I think it was meant to be a reflection of the original again. I think I think it was in the spirit of the original without mm-hmm. being... And poor Dick Van Dyke just yeah. got crucified over that. And I was mm-hmm. like, just, just let it go. <laughs> yeah. I know it's terrible. Let it go. So. Dick Van Dyke does make an appearance as yes. the old banker. Oh my God, that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I already knew that. One thing I didn't know, though, is that in the very end uh, musical number, there was a cameo by Angela Lansbury. Yep. Oh my God. I'm like, damn, woman, you get it. You get it. You're in mm-hmm. your 90s. You get it. And still has the voice she had from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. It's like, that hasn't changed. No. Since then. No, she can still sing. Beautiful. And so can Dick Van Dyke. Also beautiful. And dance. Yep. So. It's just, oh, there was so much joy. There were times where it just broke my heart so much that I cried and cried and yeah, cried. Yeah, the story itself is really sad, but it's also very sweet. You know, this poor guy and... Just trying to deal with his family. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. you know, Michael and Jane grown up and Michael got married and has three children and his wife passed away. Yeah. And he just is having trouble dealing. And now the bank's going to try to repossess his house. He works for the fucking bank. Yep. But they're going to try to repossess his house because he's behind on a loan that he took out. Mm-hmm. Colin Firth. I, when Colin Firth showed up, I'm like, oh, God, here's our villain. Yeah. Because he's so good at being a baddie. (laughs) I love him as a goodie, but he's good at being a baddie. Yeah, with Hugh Grant and Paddington too, and now (laughs) Converth and Mary Poppins Returns. It's like, these guys get and play kind of meaty villains. It's nice. Yeah, Ben Wishaw, speaking of Paddington. Oh, he's so good. As Michael. I like that guy a lot. He is fan-damn-tastic. Did not know he could sing. Yeah. Did not know that. And that was a difficult song, Mm because it asks a a lot yeah of you because you have to be emotional and and there are times he's speaking and times he's singing and you have to really balance those well and i thought he did fantastic mustache is pretty crazy but it fits the time yeah it does fit the time and it's actually very reminiscent of his father's mustache yeah Yeah, that was when i started sobbing Mm -hmm. was that number and it's pretty early in the movie (laughs) oh yeah that's way early on underwater sequence is great when they're taking a bath Yep. Just, it's kind of the the alternate to having the spoonful of sugar mm. scene is them taking a bath and just making all the mundane into wondrous yeah. events. Yep. 
And of course, the two older children are, you know, totally sensible by now. I mean, yep. they've had to grow up a lot after oh, yeah. the death of their mother. Georgie. Oh, my God. That kid playing Georgie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just wanted to kidnap him and take <laughs> him home. And I don't even like kids. It's like Luke from uh, from Hill House. <laughs> oh, my God. So cute. Yep. That face. Mm-hmm. That smile. That little cherubic face. And Ugh. the clothing in this is so 1960s. Just the colors, that technicolor mm-hmm. vibe in the clothing and just the cut of the clothing. And Well, it's it's actually meant to be more like the, I would say, is probably around the 20s or 30s. Oh, yeah, that it takes but I was place. thinking about the but time the keeping, movie. Yeah, no, it's keeping in with the same way of filming mm-hmm. as the original Mary Poppins. Yeah, colors that really pop. Yeah. And even when they're in the animated world, their clothing looks animated. Mm-hmm. The way... The lining of the costumes are. I mean, this should get an Academy Award for costuming because it's amazing. It's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I enjoyed it end mm-hmm. to end. What did you think of the songs overall? I liked them. In fact, I had um, Trip a Little Light Fantastic stuck in my head this morning. Right. And I've only heard the song once. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. The thing about the songs is no matter what you think of their composition, they weren't just there as filler. Right. They moved the story. Oh, yeah. They, they told something. Yeah. yeah. And that is that is the thing. That is the one thing I think I appreciate the most about Walt Disney's vision of what should be in a musical mm-hmm. is if it's not moving the story, then it doesn't belong, which right. is why there's this scene that was taken out of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because it didn't move the story right. along. It was just it was just a cute little song about washing up for dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope. It's cute, but it's got to go. Is it the Sherman Brothers or something like that that did all those old musicals? I don't know. Like the probably. Yeah, but uh, they were fantastic songwriters. I think I know that the soundtrack's available on Amazon Music Unlimited, so I'm gonna have a listen to that yeah. and have it out of context. You know, now that I have mm-hmm. the context of the movie to actually listen to the songs more, but I enjoyed it so much, really, so much. Awesome. I enjoyed it too. Back to some electronic music. We have State of the Union with Industrial coming up. They're a future pop band from Laguna Beach in California. You'd think they'd be European from their sound. Mm, yeah, actually I would. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't think California yeah, from that Doesn't song. sound like a California band at all. Not even a little. Members are Seb- Johann Sebastian, I doubt his actual name, on vocals, keys, programming, and guitar. And then Jimmy Nimra does live drums. So it's mostly Johann Sebastian's project. Mm-hmm. This is a cheesy song. Mm-hmm. It's one that I got from Twitter. Oh, wow. The band just was like, hey, here's a song. <laughs> it's like, okay. You're like, thank you. I will help myself. Nab. They're like, yeah, we released this demo. You're welcome to it. And I'm like, fine. Snag. Mm-hmm. And it's catchy. It's fun. It stays with you. It's cheesy as hell. I already said that, but it is. <laughs> and I think that's what's so delightful. It seems earnest, mm-hmm. which is really great to find in like dark alternative music, which also, you know, often has kind of some cynicism to it because there's a lot of Gen X vibe in, in the gothic scene. Yeah. <laughs> that you have something that just sounds so earnest. That's just why I thought they'd probably be a European band, but no. You know, they seem like Swedish or something. Yeah. <laughs> they have a very Swedish sound. Yeah. Very Swedish. Well, that's the future pop influence, probably. So um, what do you have to say about uh, State of the Union and the song Industrial? Well, it's not much more than what you said. I yeah. enjoyed it, though. Yeah, uh, the metallic percussion that comes in the end is 
is very cool. It's kind of reminiscent of the Metropolis movie by Fritz Long. Uh-huh. You know, you could see playing that with the movie in the background. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to kind of give the whole workers' rights kind of vibe to it. So yeah, this is State of the Union with Industrial. They've been standing, always waiting for the hands that will push and make them move. Fox around and we'll just rust them, oxidizing every twisted nut and screw. Moving industrial. Moving to industrial. Moving industrial. Moving to industrial. They got rock and they got fire when the misery came to invade their towns. They were workers hiding underneath the cities. They were told to not come back. Moving industrial. Moving to industrial. Moving industrial. Moving to industrial. I'm getting closer to this big machine, and everything's become. 
that was Adams and Fury, the Mark from Mesh Block All Cookies remix by Laterman DeMeyer. Uh, Laterman and DeMeyer are two last names of some pioneers in the EBM scene in Belgium. One of those Belgian bands being Front 242. Like the originators of electronic body music. And the sound definitely illustrates that. Not a whole lot of modulation in this song. It's pretty much just a fill the dance floor electronic dance song. Yeah. (laughs) But I kind of like the sinister vocal style. Yes. Especially when they slow down patience and patience. (laughs) (laughs) Not creepy at all. (laughs) Very cool. Um, Your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I say that a lot. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying them, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I haven't hated yeah, any yeah. of them. I don't think there's one you haven't liked, to be honest with you. There, so. was, there was the one with Creepy Girl that I couldn't understand what she was singing, but that didn't mean I hated the song. Nope. So yeah. usually that makes me angry when I can't hear what they're singing, but I was just kind of like, nah, this works. <laughs> no, it's it's a mood piece. I get it. It works. I'm fine. Yeah. Adam's and Fury. Very sinister. All four on the floor, just driving, percolating rhythms. Very electronic and very cool. Yes. Our final movie? Yeah, before we do that, I have to say one thing. Well, two things. I made two new discoveries in the last week. Uh, Oh. One of them was toasted caramel whiskey. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You've been having hot toddies. Yes, I have. (laughs) It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so good, guys. It's so good. Let me guess your other discovery is that mugs? Yeah, mug cake. Mug cake. Mug cake. Cake for one. Cake for one that you make in a minute ten in a microwave in a mug. Uh-huh. And it's good. And it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's G-U umlaut D. Yes. Good. Uh, so that's been a, a very um, taste-filled week yeah, for me nice. in that regard. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because you got that Celtic blood that you're a little uh, rosy after a drink or two. Uh, a little rosy. Yeah. Get yeah. a little pink in the face. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't. It's not. Yeah, you can't drink and hide it. I can't. I can't control it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much makeup I put on. Won't cover it up. Yeah. Just show through. Yeah. Just get all flushed from alcohol. Yep. Yep. So red in the face. Yeah. I've been enjoying those things. Yeah. When you ate that mug, it was like, damn, you're enjoying the hell out of it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so moist. I know that some people hate the word moist. Moist. Well, speaking of moist, the shape of water. Shape of Water. Finally watched it. Finally got around to The Shape of Water, which uh, Guillermo del Toro... Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, sorry. I I just tripped over my own tongue. Guillermo del Toro. Toro. Yeah. Or Elmo del Elbo or whatever (laughs) Night of Living Podcast calls him. Elmo de Belbo or something like that. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Well, it's probably because they struggled to say it as I am. And Guillermo that del Toro. I don't Guillermo know what's so hard about del that. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Yep. Doing a, basically a creature from a Black Lagoon kind of story. Sort of a nut. Yeah, sorry. And Michael Shannon being a, a baddie. That's always nice. Oh my nice. God, he was so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. He scared me. Kept catching like influences from other films. Mm. Like the Russian spies when they're giving Dimitri the needle for the injection. Mm-hmm. That scene so much reminded me of The Shining mm. with at the bar in the hotel. Mm-hmm. It's just the way the lighting was and the way the camera was moving. And it's like, oh, just kind of a creepy vibe. No yeah. touches like that. The color scheme, like all that turquoise being used to illustrate the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. 
I totally know what Sally Hawkins looks like naked now. I don't need that, but no. okay. <laughs> she is so good. She was amazing. Yeah, just the way she'd express in a mostly you know unspoken role. Yes, well, Doug Jones didn't get to say anything either. No, well, he's so skilled at the use of his body. He oh, can emote. He, he can communicate things that most people can't communicate with their words. Well, that's what's great about Star Trek Discovery. He gets to speak. He gets lines to read, and he's really good. He's a really good actor. Just he like is. when David Hyde Pierce was covering for him, you know, doing the voiceover for Abe Sapien, he's like, why am I doing this? Doug Jones is fantastic in this role. There's, I, I don't need to be here. And it, yeah, he actually yeah. refused a credit card in the movie. Yeah, because like, he felt that it was all Doug. Yeah, there's no reason for me to do this. You've got the actor who's reading fine. He would have been just fine with mm -hmm. his own voice. So yeah. and I don't know. I, I feel yeah. like that was like a studio decision mm -hmm. that they wanted a named actor. It's like Doug Jones is an actor. Just let him do his thing. I love Doug Jones. Yep. And his performance in this was also very great. Very stylistic, and I like that. There's, It's kind of a weird thing to combine basically a, kind of a monster movie with magical realism. Yeah. Because you're already dealing with something fantastical, and you put something fantastical on top of that. But it works. And there's little touches of Amelie in it for that. Yes. Kind of just her fantasy world and how that meets up with something that's truly fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I liked it, because her fantasy world was just that. It was her fantasy mm -hmm. world. It wasn't another, you know, thing in the movie. Yep. It wasn't, oh, we have this magical creature, and now we're going to have this other magical creature. It was, you have one thing. You have one thing. What I think they call an improv wearing a hat on a hat. Yeah, don't... Or and putting it wasn't, blue on blue. Yeah, and to yeah. me, it wasn't that, mm -hmm. because this was already a part of her, and so that made her even that much more open to the experience of getting to know this creature well, this this being yeah you guessed the ending and i think that helped us along too because her fantasy life was actually more of a reflection of her true self mm -hmm. so there was that yes and just the use of water throughout the whole picture in all its many forms whether it's boiling or it's raining or mm -hmm. running a bath and just what have you or somebody even drinking a glass of water or bringing a glass of water with them into a scene that's water's everywhere almost it's, ever present oh uh, yes definitely omnipresent in the yep. film yeah octavia spencer always love her yeah playing eliza's uh friend mm -hmm. best friend i would say as far as work yeah definitely but, um, i mean even outside of work they seem like there's a friendship going on yeah but it's her neighbor that she's the closest yes to. an interesting way of uh addressing being homosexual in that time yeah 1962 mm -hmm. is when it's set Ugh, it's a beautiful film it is a beautiful beautiful film and i can see why it got so much of the uh, critical acclaim that it did it was interesting because it didn't happen in a sequence that i expected and i appreciate that mm -hmm. and there's a lot of ladies that fell in love with doug jones as well found him to be fit sexy mm, well Doug Jones. Yeah. I've always loved the man. Mm -hmm. Even when I didn't know who he was, I've still loved him. Yeah. So. In the Fawn and Pan's Labyrinth and Abe Sapien and. Yeah, he that yeah. Oh, that performance in Pan's Labyrinth, mm -hmm. mind blowing. That he had to speak phonetically because he doesn't know Spanish. Yeah. Well, he wanted to make the pronunciations mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. I never would have known that. I mean, I, I I knew that it was him, but I, I never would have known that he didn't know Spanish. Yeah, And even if it was somewhat stilted, you're still dealing with a fantastical creature. So exactly. he would sell it. Big ups to Doug Jones. So Yeah, I just, 
He seems to have a thing, though. Um, I mean, not him, not Doug. Um, Guillermo del Toro seems to have a thing with face wounds. Please yeah. stop that. Mm-hmm. Please. Yeah, his I'm violence is is very much in, in your face, so to speak. No, but I mean, it's yeah, like, getting shot in the cheek like that because it happened in Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. and it happened in Shape of Water, mm-hmm. and I'm just. There were times where I actually just looked away. I'm just like, I don't want to see that. I don't need that in my brain. Oh, yeah. The fingers in particular when they were turning black. It was a really good movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, it's good to finally get around to it. Yeah. Sally Hawkins is one of those people that can make me forget she's who she is. Yeah, she's adorable. She is. And she she can she can play soft, she can play hard. She's she's got a lot of range. She does. Yeah. She does. I think my favorite thing she's done though is Paddington. Um, yeah. <laughs> because Paddington when she was training to swim the channel. Just Paddington. Obviously yeah. she has some experience being underwater. She actually has an underwater sequence in Paddington too. Uh-huh. So it's not like she was any stranger to water. Yeah. I uh, I enjoy the sound. Boy, it's Hawkins. like Paddington Two is like a a thread. That's another movie we could have reviewed that we hadn't reviewed before. I think huh. loved it. We loved it. I cried during that one too. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful film. I cried everything, guys. I just yeah. cry. Oh, that's I, good. I cry when I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I cry when I'm sad. Yeah. I cry when I am afraid. I yeah. cry. When that's true. If I'm a angry, good ghost story will bring a tear to your eye. Yeah, it will make my eyes water. Yeah. It's not necessarily crying. Speaking of Hill House. Yeah. Yeah, your eyes will just water. (laughs) Yeah, there was some watering. Because it's different from crying. Because when I'm crying, there is like things going on in my chest. Yeah. Trying not to sob Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, Ghost stuff, different. It's just my eyes just start to water. Oh, yeah. I'm not crying. No. Which is not to say that crying, I don't, that I'm afraid of appearing to be crying. That's Mm -hmm. not it at all. I don't care who sees me crying. (laughs) I really don't. Because I cry all the time. It makes people uncomfortable. Sorry. <laughs> it's the way I am. Deal yep. with it. Yeah. It's better than choking it down. Uh, I can't choke it down. It's not possible. No. Yeah. So we enjoyed that. And I guess we got one more song to end out on. <sighs> Welcome to the new year. Welcome to the new year. Our final song is by Daniel B. Prothes, I'm guessing, versus Edwin Van Vickenroya. Yeah. <laughs> Seems experimental, but has a kind of an EBM touch to it, too, mm. especially with the electronic bass line. And also, they're from Belgium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you're a Belgian band with electronic uh, signatures, typically you're going to be in the EBM family. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely some experimental elements to this song. The song is called Brothers. What are your thoughts other than the buried vocals? Because I know that's a thing with you. Yeah, I, kn- I knew that he was singing Brothers. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, Brothers and Mothers. Oh, and... you said Mothers? Okay, yeah. see, I couldn't tell. It's probably easier to tell on headphones or yeah. something. Um, yeah. But I like the way that it begins mm-hmm. with just the drums and the very, it's like there's no echo. It's very abrupt and unnatural. Yeah, it clips. It and definitely clips. Clips, that's the word yeah. I was looking for. And it was just like, oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, there's so. bits of silence in, in that, which is really cool. Have yeah. a little moment of coda. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think at one point he goes, my, my, my mothers. Yes. <laughs> I kind of get a, a vibe of unity and peace through this song or just a, a pl- 
plea for peace. Mm. And so it's kind of a nice uh, bookend to how we opened. Yes. You know, with Divided We Fall to end with Brothers, just to kind of tie it up in a nice little bow. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're back. A hiatus is over. So we won't take another almost whole month off again for some time. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a nice time off. <laughs> yeah, it was. We enjoyed our, our Christmas vacation for the most part. So, yeah, I'm just amazing about the place. Yes, I have been enjoying it. Yeah. So this is... Brothers by Daniel B. Prothis versus Edwin Van Vickenroya. <laughs> Bye! Bye! Yeah,